Coming up next, American Family Radio presents The Last Words of Jesus. The last words of Jesus before his crucifixion and death. What were they? What do they mean to us today? The last words of anyone are extremely important. However, the last words of Jesus tower above all others because of who he was. Our guest is Stu Epperson, the founder and president of the Truth Network. He's heard on hundreds of radio stations nationwide. He's the host of the syndicated radio program Truth Talk Live and is the author of the book, Last Words of Jesus, First Steps to a Richer Life. So the last words of Jesus, or as I have called them, the seven words of life from the tree of death, these profound seven sayings that he gave us from that cross, that roughly hewn wooden pulpit there at Calvary. Here's basically a rundown. First, a word of prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The first words out of the Savior's mouth were these profound words of forgiveness. He opens up. The first thing out of his mouth is the word Father, where he was... He was with his father. It says in many places in the Gospels, particularly Luke chapter 6 and Mark and Matthew, that he spent all night praying with his father. So he says, Father, the one that he shared eternity with, the one he was close to, he taught us to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. Father, forgive them. As he's being beaten, and this is the, the worst of the worst, and he's put on this cross, he's got spit, and he's got blood, and he's got all this, you know, this just disfigurement and in, in the, the cross is the worst, is the worst of the worst ways to die. The first words as as blood flowed from his wounds, forgiveness flowed from his words. And the word of forgiveness. Looking right there at them, who are they? And we like to of course we like to point out, single out the soldiers, which they were actively executing him, so that would be accurate. But we also like to point out the religious leaders who were, you know, throwing, hurling these insults at him one after another. Definitely, they were part of that throng. Who are they? Well, we like to you know, look, look even broader and look at the other folks involved. Look at Pilate. Look at the Herod. Look at the other political leaders and whatnot. But then you say, well, what about they being the deserting disciples who weren't even there, who were, they were wheels up, you know, headed for the hills, scared to death. But then you look farther down the line, and it gets real personal. Was he praying for me? He talked about this this brilliance of forgiveness all throughout his ministry, and he you know then he lives it. You will not find peace. You will not find being right with someone. It doesn't mean they're going to be right with you. They may still hate you, right? You know the old saying: all the young people are saying haters are going to hate. You know, right? And we know who the we know who's at the the seat of that. In fact, Second Timothy two says that those that we are sideways with, those that are against us, they're in the snare of the devil. It's not us they hate. It's the living Lord they hate, who was the dying Lord on Calvary to redeem the haters. But it starts with me. Quit this nonsense of, well, they got to get right. Well, my wife's got to do this, and this person's got to do this, and, well, it's their fault. Well, hey, hold on a second. Get on your face before Almighty God, and you start praying for that person, not just one time, not just, hey, fix this. No, you start praying, and you go to that cross, and you watch him work, because that's exactly what was happening on that day 2,000 years ago, at that, on that rugged cross, at, that, at the place of the skull, Golgotha, where Jesus Christ hung there, bearing all the hate, bearing all the unforgiveness, bearing the wrath of God because of our divisiveness and our gossip and our evil and our hate. And he bore it and he conquered it. And he says, I want to not only forgive you, but I want to pour my forgiveness through you 
to these lost children of mine to bring them back to God. Could you swing the hammer? Could you swing the hammer and nail Jesus Christ to that cross? Well, that is your job. How'd you like to be that Roman soldier? Let's go interview him. Octavius, how was that like? Or whatever your name was, how was that like nailing the one who created the steel, the one who created the wood, the one who created the nerve endings in your hand to bear down that hammer upon him, to nail that, fasten that thing, that, that sign, king of the Jews. What would that be like? And guess what, gang? Until you realize that you did hold that hammer, until you realize that you did kill Jesus, that's the question of the ages, who killed Jesus? Until you realize that you desperately need his forgiveness, that you need that, that blood of Christ to cleanse you from all sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, until you realize that that is you. You can't be forgiven. You can't be saved. You can't be changed. And when you do go to that cross and receive that forgiveness, everything changes. Vertically, you get forgiven. Horizontally, it changes everything. You become a perpetual forgiver because you realize that you were forgiven. The second thing he said was what, what we call a word of pardon. And this is spoken to the least likely candidate for salvation the least appropriate one, this thief on the cross, a word of pardon is, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. This guy wasn't among the rich. He wasn't among the religious elite, the guys that knew the word that were up there at Calvary. He wasn't among the military leaders there or any of those, you know, any heads of state. This was the thief. This guy was a terrorist. Just, just a brilliant picture of salvation to the least likely, as Jesus so often did. He came not to the healthy, but to the sick. Of all the people at this, this, the most famous execution in history, only one person at the scene of Calvary gets a, a direct pardon from Jesus Christ. And if you were to leave it up to us, we would probably say, well, this guy over here, he seems to be, I mean, he's there with his family. They got their little Passover lamb. They're passing by. They're seeing this this really kind of crazy sideshow here going on. And they're seeing it's bloody, and the dad's almost having to, to cover his kid's eyes. Well, there's a religious guy, a religious leader, and he was a little warm to Jesus. Maybe he would be one he would pardon. There's a real wealthy guy, you know, there. And there's a, there's a military guy. This guy's over 100 soldiers, man. This guy's, he, he would be a real good one because you, you convert him, you know, like the celebrities. You know, we got to get those celebrities saved so they can. <laughs> so anyway, on and on and on, but of all the ones that Jesus Christ pardons, it's that thief, and it's really profound. And the thief's prayer is very, very rudimentary. It's not, it's not a prayer we're going to include in our American gospel tracks. Typically, you know, it's not something, you know, the sinner's prayer. He probably gets a an F plus, you know, in terms of if you graded him, if a teacher graded him on at evangelism school on a sinner's prayer. What does he say? He says, "Lord, what's a great way to start any prayer? Remember me." Remember me may not be that big a deal unless you're talking about heaven and hell, life and death and salvation. This guy is very close to eternity. He's very close to entering into eternity. He's on death's door. He's on death's cross. Remember me, specific him, when, not if, you come into your kingdom. So the thief prayer was quite profound. It was right in line with, with Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, Lord, remember me. If you believe in heart that God has raised him from the dead, when you come into your kingdom, then you shall be saved. And what happens? Jesus said today, right now, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, 
Now is the day of salvation. Today, today, behold, today is the day of salvation. Today, you will, you personal, will, factual, be with me in paradise. Not be like me. He didn't say go go get cleaned up and go get baptized or go take a bath for Pete's sake or go do some sacraments and not to downplay the sacraments and and go to church and go to that new believers class or at least go you know go do this or go on a mission trip. No, he said today you will be with me in paradise. And Christ saved that man right there. He took him right into heaven with him. And so it's very profound that it is the lost that can be saved. If you don't realize you're lost, you can't be saved. And that's a the, the man knew his sin is guilt. Sadly, his partner in crime was hurling insults at Jesus. He joined right in with a fray. And this guy did initially, but then this guy came around, and God softened his heart and changed his heart and saved him. And it's the only one that was directly pardoned saved on Calvary's Hill, directly. And But the other one, how sad, the other thief so close to Jesus. I mean, inches away. How many people say, well, if I saw Jesus, I'd believe. If I saw him, well, that guy saw him. He heard him. He heard him forgive the haters. He saw powerful you know, things come out of his mouth, and he saw that, that this is the Son of God, but he rejected him and went straight to hell. But that thief, that repentant thief, went straight to heaven with Jesus Christ, a great picture of his pardon. We deserve God's wrath. The wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness, Romans 1.18. And yet, while we were yet sinners... Romans 5.8, God demonstrateth his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Yet sinners. Everyone think about those two words, yet sinners. We were, we were fighting against God. We were rebels against God. We were friends of Satan, Ephesians chapter 2 says it, in bondage to him, the prince of power of the air. We were beholden to the world, following after the world system, in love with ourselves, in love with all this. Yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us I was lost I was in chains the world had a hold of me my heart was a stone I was covered in shame when he came for me I couldn't run couldn't from his presence I couldn't run couldn't run from his arms Jesus he loved 
listening to The Last Words of Jesus Easter Special on American Family Radio. Our guest is Stu Epperson, Jr., the founder and president of The Truth Network. He's heard on hundreds of radio stations nationwide. He's the host of the syndicated radio program, Truth Talk Live, and is the author of the book, Last Words of Jesus, First Steps to a Richer Life. The book is available by visiting truthnetwork.com. That's truthnetwork.com. This word of paternity, this warm, gracious compassion upon his mother. Woman, behold thy son. Disciple, behold thy mother. And so that's the third thing he said. It's just a, even, you know, while, while the mom should be caring for him and people should be concerned for him I mean, because of what he's going through and have compassion for him, he is, even in this moment of, of trauma, is giving out compassion and giving out grace. And then this fourth one, a word of pain. This is what I call it, the darkest mystery in all of history. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? First time, first time Jesus addresses God as my God and not Father. Fascinating. First word from the cross, Father forgive. Last word, Father to thy hands. Prayer life was fraught with references to Father, but he didn't address him as God until this statement. But it was possessive, so it was still personal. So... This is the only time in the Bible we have God asking God why. He was wrestling. He was struggling. And this, these questions, why the loss of a loved one? Why the loss of a child? Why all this evil in our culture? And why of so much pain? Well, you know, we, the classic one is why do good things happen to bad people, right? Or why do bad things happen to good people, actually? <laughs> you know, we, what in the world did we do to deserve this? You know, I think of the story in Luke where they all came to Jesus, you know, with this blind man. Hey, who sinned? This this guy or his parents that he should be afflicted with this disease? What's practical about about that is is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So there's this great exchange. Jesus Christ was treated like he did not become a sinner. He was never tainted. His perfect nature was never tainted with sin, but he was treated like one. He bore in his body our sin on the tree. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed, Isaiah 53. The gospel of the Old Testament tells us. So he is bearing that for us so that we can bear his righteousness. He was naked and he was forsaken so that we could be clothed in righteousness and be received as sons and daughters of the living God. We're God's kids. We're king's kids through Christ. Romans 8 even says we're joint heirs with Jesus because he bore the penalty of sin and the law, the death. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
So this is the gospel. This is the good news. But someone had to bear the bad news. Someone had to bear the curse. And cursed is anyone that hangs on a tree. Leviticus. Cursed. Galatians. Jesus Christ in the fullness of time came for this purpose. The express purpose of bearing that curse in his body on that tree. So we, back to 2 Corinthians 5, could become the righteousness of God in him. And so that we could call out to a lost and dying world, be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in the voice of Christ calling out to a lost world. Get right with God. Call unto Christ and be saved, ye ends of the earth. Come to him, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. And so this darkness that he absorbed and that he he bore the full throat, it's like, it's like one nuclear warhead that had every, every ounce of all of this evil and this sin in it aimed at Christ on that cross in that moment. And he was so overtaken and so overwhelmed and so under the wrath of God against the sins of mankind. And then I thirst a word of passion. Uh, number five, the f- his fifth, fifth word is the, the water of life crying, I thirst. And then this word of perfection, it is finished. The greatest closing statement of all time. Those three words, one word in the Greek, tetelestai, it is finished, it's paid for, summarizes all of redemptive history, you know, from Genesis to the end of Revelation, where God said upon his creation, it is good, you know, when God created heaven and earth, you know, in Genesis 1 and 2, he declares it is finished, it is good, to the very end where the Alpha and the Omega declares it is done, it is good, it is finished. And finally, he opens, he closes like he opens. Opens with Father, forgive. He closes with Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And we call this a word of peace. R.I.P. You see it on tombstones. You hear it. Even a, even a thug, you know, awful person dies. Everyone's saying R.I.P. And, and you're thinking inside, well, I don't know that that person, I don't know that person's resting in peace right now. But we say it about a lot of people. But what is this elusive peace? What is it? And so it's so fascinating the very last thing Jesus said of these seven words of life from the tree of death, these last words of Jesus from the cross before he breathed his last, we have, uh, we have this recorded in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And I call this a word of peace, and it's Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. He has brought peace. He has finished his course. Everything he did, he has brought peace forgiveness, his first word. He has brought pardon to that thief, who was the, by the way, the recipient of that forgiveness that he prayed for in his first word. In the second word, when he said, today you'll be with me in my paradise, that, that thief, all of his life as a, as a scoundrel and a crook and a terrorist who knows who he killed, what he did, he found peace because he found Jesus Christ. He gave peace to his mom in ministering her and giving her a son and giving, giving that young man, John, a mother. Isn't that cool how that the body of Christ is being formed right there as the body was being, his, his physical body was being destroyed, his spiritual body being formed, and they found peace. The church, by the way, would be united around peace, the peace of Christ. Then the fourth thing, you see how you have his peace in, 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 you know, he was at war and the wrath of God was on him as he waged war against sin and death there and was forsaken so that we could be at peace with God. Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, Romans 5.1, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He said, it is finished. He conquered so we could have peace. He thirsted and suffered to bring us peace. And then finally, this profound statement of into thy hands, like most spirit. He, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is giving a great statement of resting in peace. This is exactly how he died. I mean, he, 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 he said these final words. He went right into the hands of Jesus. Many martyrs have died with these words on their lips. Stephen died with these same words on his lips. But ultimately, the Christ of the cross, Jesus Christ, will, will if you allow him to conquer your soul, if you receive him, you will have a peace that will change everything. And the peace of Christ will rule in your heart, as Colossians 3 tells us. You came from heaven's throne Acquainted with our sorrow To trade the debt we owed Your suffering for our freedom The Lamb of God
Thank you for listening to the Last Words of Jesus Easter special on American Family Radio, featuring our guest, Stu Epperson Jr., the founder and president of The Truth Network. He's the author of the book, The Last Words of Jesus, First Steps to a Richer Life. It's available by visiting truthnetwork.com, truthnetwork.com. Stu has a lot of resources available at truthnetwork.com to help you grow in your faith. Take a few moments now to join us as Stu Epperson leads us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ. I know we quote your word, John 3.16, so fast and so quick, and so many of us have it memorized, but thank you that you love the world so much that you gave your only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Father, I just lift up everyone listening to my voice right now, listening to this program. May they go to that cross journey there. May pick up your book, Lord. You reveal who you are and why you came and why, why we're on this earth in the Word of God, the Bible. And so I just lift up someone out there who is struggling. They're at war. Everywhere they go, there's conflict. It just seems like they're they're followed by a cloud of trouble and turbulence and relationships, and it's just on and on and on and it's just the screen and and it's this this like and this social media chaos and all this and i pray they'll they'll just stop and that you will supernaturally work in their life by the power and the blood and the cross of jesus christ and by the resurrection of christ you say that same power that raised jesus from the dead will quicken and bring to life our spirits and will quicken our mortal bodies and i pray for your supernatural power to work in the hearts of those listening, to bring them to you, to bring them to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for what you did for us on that cross. Thank you so much for saving a wretch like me. And we just ask that you would work mightily in the hearts of those and that those that know you will be emboldened to share the good news of Jesus with everyone they know. To simply ask, do you know him? Not do you know about him. Do you know him? Do you know that if you died today, you would be in heaven with Jesus, just like that thief? You can know him. You can be forgiven and healed. So may may we be bold to carry the message of Jesus everywhere we go. And we thank you for what you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Last Words of Jesus Easter special on American Family Radio. I'm John Riley.